Tell you yeah. who I would like to go for a pint with. John Ward. Hello Gasheads and welcome to the latest episode of Gascast. I'll be your host Tom Metcalf and joining me and Harley today are the Martin Tyler and Gary Neville of Bristol Rovers. Of course they are Max and Nino. How are we all? Who's who? I'm, I'm not <laughs> thrilled with being compared to Gary Neville, I've got to be honest. <laughs> like how you've assumed the Gary Neville role there. Neville's well, he's, kind of he's a reliable bloke. He's a reliable bloke. It's a compliment. Reliable. Is that the best I get, is it? All right, fair. He shows okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now the insults are in the way. Uh, let's have a word from our sponsor. So, Kahuna Flooring supply and fit all types of flooring for your home or workplace. Steve comes to you with a sample selection service and offers deals on supplied and fitted carpets, vinyls, LVT, such as Candine and Antico, engineered wood, and more. Get in touch with Steve today on 07917 and mention Gascast to receive 10% off all orders. Okay, let's start, as always... With pros and cons. Pros and cons and cons and pros and pros and cons and pros. Pros and cons. Uh, Max, let's go to you first. What was your pro from the Donny game? Um, it, primarily, my, my, my pro was um, the commitment and the attitude shown by the squad, um, particularly after going 1-0 down. Um, I thought that, you know, in previous games, we've seen our heads drop and just the response from from. Uh, taking the early knock of going 1-0 down was terrific um, and we didn't let up all game so that's my main pro. How about you Nina? Um, so my pro is is the togetherness and the spirit that was evident around the club from sort of top to bottom from being there. I'm not sure if it's someone that really came across an eye follow. I don't really mean on the pitch, I just mean um, it was just little things really like you had Kilgore in the Thatchers with his old man and you could hear him from up where we were commentating like bellowing orders out to the defence um, although in the form he's been in I'm not sure you want him ordering the defence around <laughs> but you could hear him like shouting orders out to the defence and you had Mark Little on the sidelines coaching the defence through the second half and in front of us in the East End there was like Gorringe, Widrington and Kevin Mayer was up there and all those sorts of people and I don't know, you just kind of think over the last few weeks with some of the scathing comments Barton's made, it was starting to, well, I was starting to think, are people getting a little bit pissed off with him with inside the club? And is he kind of wrecking all the spirit? But every tackle that was made, every time a Rovers man pressed and things like that, they were all up on their feet and cheering and sort of celebrating every tackle and block like a goal. And um, yeah, so that was really nice to see. Um, so that was, that was my pro, is that there seems to be a togetherness there and we're going to need that if we are to stay up. Absolutely. How about you, Harley? Much simpler for me. We got some bloody points on the board, didn't we? I mean, I honestly started to consider that we were going to get zero more points from now until the end of the season. But what you get three points on the board and everything changes. Now I'm looking at the next one. So thank goodness for that. Well, uh, we'll come back round and do the cons then. Max, what was your con from the game? Um, I'm not a massive fan of this new formation we're playing. Um, this kind of three-four-three diamond or three-three-three-one um, with lots of triangles. I mean, it, it 
it works kind of in possession and, and I, I think at times the midfield pressed really well in one possession and we were kind of on the front foot for attacks but defensively it, it leaves us very exposed um, we saw Leahy and Walker push very high up they weren't wing backs so much as they were part of a front three um, so it was leaving Williams um, Baldwin and uh, who, uh, Harry's. Kian Harry's very exposed at the back and and that was exploited by um, by the opposition on numerous occasions. Okunabire, um and Omar Bogle just caused us all sorts of problems in the Doncaster attack, particularly in the first 20 minutes. Um, and it's just something I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, but I, on the same token, I guess we kind of need to go for it now um, and be a little bit reckless if, if we are to try and win as many points as possible. So it's just a big question mark for me just because it's so untraditional. And I think it has got, um, a big risk reward side to it, which I'm not massively keen on, I don't think. Um, so that's my con. Cool. Um, Hartley, I'm going to go out of order and go you next on the cons. That is well out of order. Um, it's meaningless if we don't keep it going, is is simply the point. How many times this season have we had those moments, the Shrewsbury win and the Pompey win and the, who's the other one? Who's Accrington. the other one we beat? Accrington, that's the one. We come out of it, we're buzzing, we come on this podcast and we talk in everyone's ears about how we're on absolute flames and then we fall to a dismal defeat the next Saturday and it's all out the window. So let's not beat around the bush. Saturday is an enormous game. We have to keep it going. Uh, Otherwise, that game means nothing. And Nino, I wanted to come to you last for the cons because I enjoyed it so much. Um, yeah, so my con is is just that I give a shit again about this season because I'll be honest, I had completely given up hope on this season. I thought we were down. Uh, obviously, we lost the last five before Monday. Um, Swindon and Sunderland lost them both 1-0. The defending, like I said on the comms yesterday, was just pathetic for those goals. Well, you were on the comms, were you? You haven't mentioned it. Yeah, I was, mate. No, I was on the comms. Yeah, yeah. I'm the Gary Neville of, uh, of Gascast, by the way. And um, and then against Ipswich, although I didn't see a lot of that game because I was a little worse aware at our um, social, um, the defending for the first 10 minutes was just a joke. And I was just fed up after that game. I was like, yeah, we're down. And I'd accepted it. I was happy with it. I was fine. I quite liked League Two. I'd convinced myself that League Two isn't that bad. And uh, and then obviously I was buzzing after the game on Monday. And then I woke up on Tuesday and I was just a little bit pissed off. And I was like, why am I annoyed? And I just thought it's because I actually give a shit now. Like I really care what happens on Saturday. I wasn't even going to watch Northampton. I was like, oh, I'm not really that fussed. I, I don't care. But I actually really do care now. It's all I can think about is us beating Northampton on Saturday. So yeah, basically I give a shit again. And that's a little bit. Sounds annoying. like a pro. I'm, I'm arguing that's a pro. <laughs> It, yeah, it yeah, depends but what happens Nino's on a pessimist, doesn't he? He's 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 pessimistic about it. He, he he's annoyed because it's going to make him disappointed again down the line. Whereas before, he would have just been apathetic about it. Yeah, when we lose one nil to a 90th minute own goal on Saturday, beforehand I wouldn't have cared, and now I'm gonna it's going to ruin my weekend. So that's what annoys me. <laughs> that's the positivity that we provide on this podcast. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so the Donny game, a positive. Uh, we'll, we'll look at that a bit more detail now. So, what a difference a win can make, eh? After losing five on the banks, Rovers came out 2-1 winners against Doncaster at the Mem on Easter Monday. That's the first time the Gas have beaten Donny at the Mem since 1987. A brace from on lane, Chelsea youngster Luke McCormick gave Rovers a huge three points in our fight for survival. Importantly, Rovers were the only side in the bottom six to win, which now means we are only in the relegation zone 
based on having scored less goals than Swindon with joint on points and goal difference. Max, uh, in previous games, we've seen the team fold after going 1-0 down. Against Donny, we saw the team kind of dust themselves down and go again. Is that demonstration that Barton is changing the mentality of the side? Um, yeah, I, I think it's progress. Um, we've seen heads drop, like you said, in previous games. And this time, pretty much immediately from kickoff, you know, we, we were trying to attack. Zane Westbrook had a speculative uh, volley from outside the area. And I know it wasn't a fantastic chance, but immediately we showed that we were going to try and put them on the back foot and respond well, as opposed to just sit back and, and see the game out. It was it was a good response. And I think it helped that it was so early on. Um, we have seen games such as, you know, uh, AFC Wimbledon away, where we have gone 1-0 down in the first five, 10 minutes and then just not let it affect us too much um, versus the Sunderland game, where I think we huffed and puffed for a fair bit of time in the first half before against the run of play going 1-0 down. I think that hit us more. I think at the fact that it was more the fact that Doncaster were enjoying a good spell in the game. We hadn't really got ourselves into it and they, they went one nil up and they probably deservedly were ahead. Um, it was kind of more of a collective group effort to um, take more responsibility and, and kind of show up and, and prove that we were worthy of worthy of three points. So it was a, it was a really good response. Um, I think we have certain characters on the pitch out there who, who were, who were big factors in that. Obviously, Luke McCormick will go on to talk about, but I think he and Harry's also had a big influence in terms of his personality on the pitch. Um, and, and like you said, the characters around the ground, Kilgore, Mark Little, they just seem to be um, more of a collective... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? More, more just of a collective group of responsibility rather than um, just giving up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the end of his answer, mate. That was the end. <laughs> That's a good point, Max. Well done. Cheers. Yeah. Uh, Everyone just took a moment's silence to appreciate how good that answer. <laughs> Digest was. it. Yeah. Drink uh, it in. You know, the the high press really seemed to unsettle Donny when we deployed it. Well, how big an impact did that have when you were watching it? Because you can obviously see more from the stands than we can on iFollow. Yeah, because I was commentating at the game. I don't know if you realise that. Were you? Yeah, I was, mate. I was there, yeah. Um, Yeah, I love the press. I think it's absolutely amazing. And I think when um, fans are back in the ground next season, um, that they're going to absolutely love it. You know, it's this sort of style off the ball that gets you as a fan off your seat and like roaring and stuff. Whereas under Coughlin, we would sit back a lot and everyone kind of fell asleep when we didn't have the ball because there wasn't a lot going on. It's so active and you've got people like McCormick and Westbrook and Hanlon. They were just right in Donny's faces for most of the game. And um, every time that happened, like I said earlier, like Barton was giving him a big round of applause and Clint Hill and everyone was just really pumping and pumping each other up. And um, I think it unsettled Donny, but for the first 20 minutes, they definitely were the better side. Obviously, they scored after 12 minutes or so. And um, but then we kind of slowly got back into the game. And I think it was the press. It seemed to uh, unsettle them. People like Bogle were definitely rattled by it, by how in in their faces uh, people like Harry's and Baldwin were getting. And um, yeah, I just think it affected them. And McCormick, obviously, I know we're going to come on to him, but as well as scoring those two goals, he was literally just everywhere. Every time a Doncaster player had the ball, it seemed like McCormick was charging after him and not giving him any space at all. So um, yeah, I think it's something that we've seen a lot under Barton and it's really promising signs for next season, regardless of what league we're in. Yeah, it feels like this was the week where it kind of paid off. 
Like we we pressed Sunderland, we pressed Ipswich after going going down, but this was the week where it, it came off and you know we managed to get something for for the effort. Um, Harley, have we found a magic formula for a back three? Um, I know you were really impressed with Baldwin despite his slip in the build-up for the Donny goal. I didn't think you'd finish then, but now I've realised you have. Um, Baldwin has always... I've always really liked Baldwin, you know. I, f- I feel like he's hes a towering presence and he's probably my first defender on the team sheet if everyone was fit, to be honest. Um, you can tell he needs that bit of confidence and I think that that's what they're instilling in the team at the moment, which is quite miraculous, really, given that if it were me, I'd be at my lowest confidence ever because you can't stop shipping goals for fun. But... Um, I'd really struggle to decide who would be my strongest pairing or or trio at the back. I think Harry's and Baldwin are in there, but after that, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was going to say about Baldwin. I think that like it wasn't really an individual error when he slipped. It's just one of those things, and like there was a few passes that happened after that, so it wasn't all down to him. But. Um, you know, he is a confidence player, like Harley said. So that is something that could have affected him quite badly, especially at the, the stage of the season where Harley just lowering his cat down there, especially at the uh, the stage of the season we're at and how big a goal that could have been against us. But I thought for the rest of the game, he was just superb. Like Bogle is a really, really tough opponent to come up against. He's so big and strong and just a, a right handful. And I thought Baldwin coped with him really well. And obviously, when Lakilo had the shot for them, I think it was at one all. Cut inside, had the shot. Baldwin was there to clear it off the line. Like that's absolutely vital. And then um, Baldwin almost scored with a header at the other end when Westbrook put a corner in, and um, it was just cleared off the line by a combination of Bogle and their keeper. I think it was. So he almost put us three one up. But I just thought the response from him from that early error, which led to their goal, was was just really impressive. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Gascast's own Zane Walker and Pablo Martinez have both started the last three games. Uh, Lucy Ford asks, how impressed have you been with them both, Max? They absolutely do not look uh, a foot out of place in the three games they've started. Um, they look like they're very comfortable in the starting eleven, um, And... I think it just shows that, you know, we've got two really good players on our hands. I think for Zane Walker, he, he was a player who we saw in pre-season, uh, particularly against Cardiff. And I remember him um, just holding off Aidan Flint, just holding the ball up and and, and, and just out-muscling Aidan Flint to, to retain possession. And um, I, I just remember thinking, like, for a youth player, the main thing that they, they lack when they come up to men's football is the physical side. They're a bit lightweight. And, and I've never looked at Zane Walker in, in those preseason games and thought that he's a bit lightweight because he's just got this really good low sense of gravity. He doesn't go over all the time. He does stand his own ground. And he's just come in and he's looked physically and uh, in terms of his skill level, he just looks ready for the level. And um, it, I think it's, I don't know if it's Tisdale's fault or Garner's fault, but I really think he should have been more involved from the start of the season. He had a really cracking preseason and he's contributed so much in, in um, the games he's played and just given us something a bit different. Um, as for Martinez, he's a player who's been on loan at Oxford City at centre-back and he's come into a midfield role and he's looked pretty much as good as anyone else there in terms of winning the ball, winning second balls in the air and and, and just distributing the ball uh, nicely. He played a terrific pass for the, for the winner. Um, 
he just does the simple stuff well, which is what we've lacked. And I think he's he's well deserving of um, a start pretty much until the end of the season. Uh, and I'm really excited about what the two can bring in the future. Yeah, just to just to highlight Pablo because. I'm not. I'm not saying that Zane Walker's not impressed because I definitely think he has. But I. I think it's a lot harder for a centre midfielder to come in. You know, that's uh, like you say about the strength of a younger player coming in to be in that middle of the park where there's a lot of senior players in there. You know, not messing around and frankly, probably targeting him at the start. Um, I really don't think he looks out of place. I think he actually. In fact, I think it's harsh to say he doesn't look out of place because I think he does. I think he looks bloody good. And that certainly looks pretty out of place for this season. I've, I've been really impressed by him. And the other thing I just want to quickly say is that I think the managers we had before Barton were here to develop young players, right? So it's frankly pretty disgusting that two young players were knocking on the door and didn't get in the team, even when we weren't doing very well, when we weren't even in a position of pressure. So if they weren't playing then, when were they going to play? Like, that was clearly the time to bring them in when we, need, when we had injuries. And, you know, Tisdale, for example, I mean, you're, you're crying, you're insulting your strikers and saying you haven't got anyone and you've got a young lad on the bench that, that is gagging for a game. Like, oh, it's outrageous, I think. I, I was just going to say that out of the two young lads, I think I've been far more impressed with um, Pablo so far. Um, you know, for a for a guy who is playing out of position and for the age he is, he's just so calm and composed on the ball. I think for the sort of assist to the assist that he got for McCormick's second goal where he played in Westbrook, he was facing the wrong way initially. And I think nine times out of 10, a young player in that position probably just plays the way he's facing and gives it back to a defender or something, just takes the easy option. But he just showed the composure to turn around, assess his options and then play that pass. I just thought um, he just keeps it simple and keeps us ticking over. Um, West, no, sorry, not Westbrook, Zane Walker. I've not been that impressed with him. Um, I think he's been okay, but what is that now? That's his third start in a row, I think. And... I can't sit here now and say, oh, do you remember this thing that Walker did or this thing that Walker did? Like, I don't think he's really had a moment so far where I where I was blown away by him or anything. He's not beat a man and gone down the wing and put in a great cross or anything like that. But obviously he is young. And on Monday, he was, every time he got the ball, um, he was getting doubled up on uh, for a lot of that game. You know, literally every time he got it, there was two Doncaster men converging on him straight away so it was difficult for him and I'm not hammering the bloke like he will obviously improve and he's a bright prospect who they obviously see a lot of potential in for the future but I think he's been chucked in probably earlier than he would have ordinarily been had we not had the injuries to Rodman, Nicholson etc. Yeah I mean I think he did it. He had a terrific moment and a terrific spell in the game against Sunderland when arguably arguably he should have scored um, with a couple of good chances and I think it's easy to forget that he only turned 19 a couple of months ago, um, 18 years old, and signed a three-year contract. And I just think I think the most impressive thing for me is that he doesn't look lightweight. As I said before, he just looks physically like he can shrug off a challenge and, and go past people. And I think that's that foundation is, is what's impressed me because he can kick on from there and kind of build his game from there. He's learning every game about the level and the opposition he's coming against. He's learning what their weaknesses are and, and where he can kind of um, 
build on his skill set. And I think from here, he'll only go get from go from strength to strength. He may not have the influence on the game that maybe you'd want a tricky winger to have, but I think the foundation and all the fundamentals seem to be there. And from the age he is at 19, I think that is that's a really impressive thing. We've seen players come into the game at this age before. You know, even Ellis Harrison when he was that age wasn't wasn't particularly physically ready for the level. Um, you know, the likes of Shaquille Hunter and, and I could go on with with other young wingers we've had come through the squad who've just looked so lightweight. Even Alfie Santos for me just didn't quite cut cut that side of the game. So yeah, I think that's the kind of area of his game I wanted to highlight in terms of what I've been impressed with. And I think um, if he continues starting most of the games between now and the end of the season, he'll start to show some of that and hopefully get a goal or two um, before the season ends. What's with the name Pablo Martinez not being Spanish or something like that? Because his, his dad is his dad is Spanish, but his mum is Welsh. Because he's quite a name, isn't it? I I was astounded to discover he was Welsh. Astounded. Yeah, Welsh pubs. I like it. I do like it. But it, it you know, I was never going to guess Welsh. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, moving on. Uh, So my fan hub uh, prediction got completely wrong because I just assumed that Ayunga and Hanlon would be playing up top together as per usual. Um, But Hanlon was deployed as a lone striker. Ayunga dropped. Um, Nino, you said on commentary, I don't know if anyone knows, but you were on commentary, uh, that you were really impressed with him. Watching from home, I wasn't terribly. So I just wanted to get your view on what you thought he was doing well i just thought that compared to the last well i'd say probably for the last two months or so 90 percent of the time the ball went up to him it would bounce off him or he'd fall over or he'd dive looking for a free kick and nine times out of ten not got it whereas i thought on monday pretty much every time the ball went up to him he was managing to hold it up bring other people into play he was going past men a few times. I just thought he looked a lot more like the Hanlon that we saw in the first half of the season where he was able to bring the ball down and sort of get us high up the pitch and be a platform for us to build off. And I really don't think he's been that. It's almost been like passing to the opposition, passing to Hanlon the last few games, whereas I don't think it was on Monday. Um, he did have that one chance, obviously, where the ball was played into him, the defender slipped and his first touch was kind of away from goal on his left foot. And you look at a moment like that, and that's obviously where he's weak. Like he's not that clinical finisher that we lost in JCH. That's not what he is. Um, and I don't, to be honest, I don't know if he's ever going to be that kind of player. Like, I don't think we're ever going to get 15 to 20 goals a season from him. But if we can just get him back to being how he was the first half of the season, where he's just big, strong, quick, tricky, can go past a man and he can chip in with maybe like double figures, goals and assists, then you'll have a really good player there. Um, so, yeah, and he was also from a few um, corners and free kicks that Donny put in. He was the man heading them away. Like there was one in the second half in particular where there was a really dangerous near post corner put in and Hanlon got up and headed it away. And um, like Clint Hill was giving a really big round of applause and stuff after that. So I think some of his defensive work was really good as well. It's kind of the stuff we used to see from Ellis Harrison. Uh, Ellis was always one of our best defenders at set pieces. And I thought Hanlon was kind of like that on on Monday as well. So, yeah. Yes, my big kind of uh, black mark against Hanlon was that miss. It was just any other striker I think that we've got at the club is putting that away. I think he's just low on confidence. He did want that extra... Yeah, like you said, he 
kind of chested it. And then he needed another touch before he could turn and shoot. And it was just all what he does a lot is too many touches in the in the box. And when you're in the six-yard box, especially, you're not going to get time. And the keeper just came and smothered him. Um, Harley, Zane Westbrook bagged two assists. Is he now showing the levels of creativity we expected when he joined? He's playing in a position that suits him and he's been completely and utterly done over this entire season by being misused by several different managers. And now, finally, he's being played in his correct position. Every single time he is, he does something good. Um, I hardly even credit him for improvement because I think, honestly, he's just playing in a position that suits him and he's a good player. And that's so common throughout this entire team for this entire season. Um, Like, we, we credited as you said on the comms which you were on i think um yeah it was mate pablo's ball was quality but westbrook didn't even look he didn't even look he just put it in exactly where he knew mccormick would be and i think with a player like westbrook you've got to allow him those few awful passes because he's got to try and be ahead of everyone he's got to, to you know he's got to read the game better than anyone and sometimes people won't be on his level but it's starting to click now and I really hope he's here next season because I can see he's got potential and I think what's the point in bringing in players with potential if you end up getting rid of them the second they start to show it? I think um, Monday we saw the good and the bad of Westbrook really because his set pieces were just horrendous. Like Mm. He had about four in a row and they were either massively over hit or under hit and I think I was reading um, Frosty's piece from the game earlier today and he said that Yakola turned and said to the bench after the third one, like, for fuck's sake, let someone else take the next one because this is ridiculous, basically. Sorry, I'll have to bleep that out, Matt. Um, and it was just like, yeah, it was just painful. Like sat up there, I was doing the commentary, so sat up there watching it from up there. It was just painful watching these set pieces just being wasted time and time again. But then I think he wasted one and then pretty much instantly him and McCormick played the little one-twos, um, which set up McCormick to score our first goal. So, um, yeah, he's that sort of player who he needs other good players like McCormick in and around the box with him. And if you've got that and lots of people up in support of him, then Westbrook's well capable of sort of playing these little cute passes that probably no one else in the squad is able to and linking up and doing those little one-twos with other players. Um, but yeah, obviously there are parts of his game which are weak, but then he wouldn't be in League One if that wasn't the case, I suppose. So, I'd, I'd rather a player who does two bad things and two really good things than a player who just does some okay things for 90 minutes. Like He's a player who is hit and miss, and I'd rather that than just someone who's just middle bag. Um, he's got something special, and as we've seen in recent games, he can just make something out of nothing. Yeah, his set-piece delivery has been pretty bad recently but he's also put some brilliant balls into the box previously scored a couple of free kicks in the cup and you know sometimes when he just sets up to take a free kick you don't know which one you're going to get and I would rather that than know for sure it's just going to be an average delivery if you know what I mean yeah kind of like the the extreme sometimes amazing sometimes rubbish rather than just a middle of the road a six out of ten every time that's You're fair. still desperate to give him that pizza cup free kick, aren't you, Max? Even though it blatantly came off the bar. It definitely came off the, off the bar and it was an own goal, 100%. I don't, care. I don't care. It went in. If he didn't kick that ball towards the goal, it would not have gone into the goal. So, but if the keeper hadn't got so close to it, it wouldn't have hit his back and gone in. So 
Not I'm with Nino on this one. He it's was a- actually aiming for the keeper's back, so it was actually <laughs> amazingly accurate. I'm not having it. He's playing like 4D chess. It is an own goal. But, <laughs> it is an own goal, but it's of his creating. Like, I, d- I don't know what else to say here. Like, so are you saying this goes down as some kind of weird assist? Yeah, pretty much. It's kind. Of, it's, it is an assist. It's a goal, isn't it? It's a goal. An assist for an OG in that fashion. I'm I'm with Max on this one strongly. He definitely gets the credit. You can't be no, saying, oh, we need a fifth man, pod to no credit to Westbrook there. It's just, there's a keeper own goal. It's like, he's hit it from 30 yards into the top corner. It's pinged fractionally off the bar, hit the keeper and gone in. Who's tried to save it. It's completely a goal of his making. So he deserves credit for it. He doesn't get one of the goals for ticks in his, uh, on his score sheet though, does he? Point me in the direction of the faceless, dubious goals panel, and I will 100% have a word. Don't appreciate even you going to the panel. Those ones. That's, the that's, that's the just beyond. That's just a clear own goal, right? It's not on. clear own goal. It's not like someone <laughs> just kicked it into their own net from five yards out, is it? It's, it's deflected off the keeper and gone in. <laughs> I love how I've just dropped that bomb shot and just stepped back and let you all argue. Shot that, that grenade in. Yeah. <laughs> At risk of losing 20 minutes of an episode to this debate, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Wasty as class. One. That can End be a Twitter combo. poll later. Um, all right, we'll leave the best for last. Well, we've saved the, less, the best for last, and we're going to come to you, Max. Super Luke McCormick, talk to me. I've, I've struggled to remember uh, an individual performance as good as that in some time. Um, maybe one of JCH's hat tricks that he scored for oh, us. The South End Blackpool, game. Let's but... not put it close to that. That's yeah. South End hat trick from JCH. Anyway, continue. I will put it close to that because I think it was pretty much as Frosty put it in his in his uh, post match a ten out of ten. Um, he scored two brilliant goals. He was constantly pressing. He was a leader on the pitch. He was communicating. He was creative. He was playing some nice passes. He kept the tempo high. He was pressing until the ninety fifth minute um putting in sliding challenges and you know he, he won us the game he won us the game um i know it was a team effort but i struggled to re- to remember a, a player have more of a complete 90 minutes than than luke mccormick did um on monday it was just an outstanding outstanding performance and he's really stepped up in recent games um and i think he's going to have an absolutely terrific career um potentially even at the top division I just think the biggest shame is that we're probably unlikely to see him at the Mem with fans because he deserves to be putting in these performances in front of, you know, a packed out Blackthorn and they're singing his name. He's just such a good player. I already look at him and think that he's easily one of the best midfielders in League One that I've seen this season. And um, I think it is probably unlikely that we'll keep him in the summer. I know there's obviously those rumours of him going to Millwall, but if there was literally anything we could do to sign him, I would like just sell the mem and use the funds to buy Luke McCormick because he's just absolutely unreal. I just really, really want to be in the ground next season and see Luke McCormick in the quarters because, yeah, he's one of my favourite players for a long time. I remember being like really confused by what type of player he was at the start and my natural bias to loan players, especially from like Chelsea and that, it just kind of ignore them. Like, you know, they're here, here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing. You know, you don't get an affinity with them, but he's, I've, it's taken me all this time to realize that he's incredibly technical on the ball. He's pretty fast, gets stuck in all over the park. He's exactly what we needed to replace Ollie Clark with. He's a massive upgrade. Sorry if you're listening, Ollie. And, um, 
I'll be devastated. I mean, I am devastated because I know we're not going to keep him, but I will be devastated when we don't. Because when you're looking at the strategy we're trying to deploy here, I know we've got a massive relegation battle on our hands, but let's assume we're going to continue with this strategy. Surely this is exactly the kind of player that you need to be breaking the bank for because Chelsea aren't going to fight to keep him. Let's be realistic. They're not going to fight. Got to go in. Got to show you show what you're about and, and chuck the cash in there. Well, 100% agree. Um, if we stay up, and that's a big if, um, as we'll probably go on to talk about in a minute. Um, if we do stay up, um, and he obviously becomes a free agent, or I don't know what his contract is at Chelsea, we put a bid in and several other clubs put bids in, including in the championship. We have to make the case to him that we're the right club. And we also have to show our hand um, financially. If we even make him the club's highest earner, I think it would be a good investment. There's no way we would not make profit on him. Um, so I, I'd say going hard, we can't be offering, you know, two grand, three grand a week for him saying, oh, just come to us. We're a good club. We have to say, you know, here's a really impressive offer. Make him an offer that's, you know, worth two players to us, two, three players to our first team, because he is worth that to us. He's such an important player in this squad and anything we build going forward that we have to, as you say, Harley, break the bank for him. Um, you know, that's a high risk thing to do, but you can just see with this lad that he's got everything. Um, and if we sign him, you can build a side around him because he's that good. Um, so I think we need to show ambition and do that. Um, if we do that and, and he still chooses to go to the championship, I wouldn't blame him. We, we, we'll be hard done by to compete with some of those clubs, including Millwall. Um, but what we can offer him is, you know, 90 minutes of football every match um, next season in League One, providing he stays fit. Whereas in the championship, he may struggle to kind of have to prove himself and rotate in and out of, of, of different um, different formations and different different team selections so we have to make the case and we, we have to prove that we're the best option and if we can do that um, it'll be a very impressive uh, achievement for Rovers and yeah I don't want to put too much pressure on him because obviously he is a young player and he is a lone player but I genuinely think that McCormick could be the difference between us going down or not because obviously we've not got enough goals from our strikers all season and I think between our three main strikers they've got four goals between them I think I read since Christmas or since January so I don't think we can really look at Hannah Nyunga or Daly who's barely even featuring at all and think that they're going to get the goals to keep us up but obviously McCormick's now got three in the last two and he is the sort of player who makes late runs into the box and we've seen is, is finishing is dodgy sometimes, but it's also can be brilliant. Like the, those two goals he scored, they were just fantastic finishes from the edge of the box, sweeping them into the, the bottom and top corners. So I think if we could maybe get another three or four goals from McCormick in the last six games or so, that could be the difference between us going down or not. I also think Joey Barton is like, I've actually been thinking, perhaps this is a bit romantic, but I've been thinking like, oh, Joey Barton as manager is something that could actually pull him towards staying because he seems to be improving massively under him. It seems like the kind of manager that would suit him. And as you've, I mean, you've both said enough. I don't think I need to lump much more on, but he's so vital in the fact that he's that unique midfielder that can do it all, right? Like that allows you to play so many formations. Like we said, Westbrook can only play Ford. Josh Grant, I'm not really sure where he can play, to be honest. Well, I think he's quite deep, you know. But McCormick, you could play in any midfield position and he'd do a job and he'd shine. Yeah, I think so. Um, hell of a player. Um, he's unlikely to feature, like we said, in the quarters next season. So I'm not getting my hopes up about him, but I am in love with him a little bit. 
so Joey Barton was up to his old tricks again uh, in his Ipswich post-match. After saying he wouldn't talk about the officials, he then went on a good minute-long tirade about them. Uh, Nino, do you believe there is a conspiracy against him from the referees? No, no, not at all. I do think there's been some dodgy decisions. Like I said on comms, because I was on the comms, uh, and like I said on there, there definitely has been some dodgy decisions since he came in. Um, thinking back to that Burton game where McCormick got the red card, I think that was a joke. And then was it the Swindon game where they ruled out a goal for offside on Hanlon, even though it wasn't Hanlon who was interfering, or maybe it was the other way around between him and a younger. But anyway, wrongly ruled out a goal. So I do think that you can look at a few games like that and think, just wonder where those decisions have come from. But then you look at Monday's game and our second goal, if that had been ruled out for offside on Hanlon, who was literally stood right in front of the keeper and had to duck out the way of the shot, it looked to me, um, then I don't think we could have complained. And what I loved was that Joey came out in his post-match on Monday and basically instantly said what a good game the referee had had and started praising him. And um, I just thought he just knows what he's doing there, doesn't he? I just love it. It's just shithousing 101 from Joey. I just was such a big fan of that. But no, I don't believe in the conspiracy at all. I think it's been an excuse, to be honest. Joey's just a a really, really bad loser. Um, I think that's all you can say about it, really. And you're going to have to take a lot of what he says with a pinch of salt. But ultimately, like you guys said at the start of this, people at the club seem galvanized and right behind it. And so all of this stuff he's saying in the press doesn't seem to be destroying it as you might expect. So long may he continue to be a sore loser because hopefully he'll he'll try extra hard to get us some wins on the board. Yeah, and it certainly keeps uh, Bristol Live busy with all his uh, incendiary comments as well. Keeps them well in business. Um, Max, a few weeks ago, Barton had talked about putting a social media ban on the players. Seems that that went out the window with the win. And of course, it doesn't <laughs> apply to him either. Is social media the only way for fans to build a bond with players at the moment? Good question. What? What? Uh, that's, that's a great question. You've gone in with something really deep. <laughs> Sight with examples, six marks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I guess so. Um, yeah, I, it, it clearly is the only interaction they get with them uh, in terms of you know, hearing them speak other than the, the interviews that the club puts out. Um, as for the as for the ban, um, I guess it only counts when you've lost. I think he means more like don't come out after a loss and apologise if you're in the relegation zone. It's more of a, and if you win, sure, come out and say thanks thanks for the support and that. But, you know, he, he, I, I think he was a bit tired of like the, the um, cookie cutter social media apologies that the players were putting out that had no real meaning. He wanted the players to kind of apologise with their actions. Um, and they have done, uh, well, they have done to some extent. And there's obviously still a lot of work to do. But, um, you know, what, what they did on Monday was was terrific. Uh, the commitment and, and the passion showed, um, particularly by as players we've highlighted, like Harry's, and um, who hasn't really featured much, and McCormick, who, who we've said is fantastic. But, um, yeah, I, I think it is the only way they can build a relationship. And hopefully um, we can finish this season on good terms with most of the squad, even if ultimately we huff and puff and it's not enough. Um, I'd like to go into next season retaining a core of players and, and, and having a good relationship with them rather than thinking, you know, I, I don't really care much for you because you, you were a factor as to us going down because you didn't try, etc. So I think it's important we, we maintain a relationship with the playing squad um, and hopefully it can, it can be a positive one in, in the last six. And like I say, in the summer, um, maintain that relationship. A-star. 
the first game of the last six is Northampton away on Saturday. Um, obviously a massive, massive game for us. Uh, in a big boost for Barton, Alex Rodman, Alfie Kilgore and Josh Grant are all available for selection. Um, coming to you, Harley, we've had a couple of questions on Twitter about this. Weeksy and Charlie Hayne of Bofast, would any of them come into the side or would you keep the side the same? Rodman 100% comes into the side. Um, Walker? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, fair play, Zane, you've you've stepped up and that's impressive. But Rodman had also stepped up and not just, he was driving games forward. He was our star man for weeks and he needs to be back. And I honestly thought that his injury would relegate us. So the guy needs to come back. If this is all on the assumption that he is actually fit, you know, don't rush the guy, don't risk him. But if he is fit, he should play 100%. And he'd also potentially be the difference between us going down and staying up because oh my word he was on flames before i um, thought Nina i was going to say something there we go. <laughs> <laughs> i i think rodman is probably the only one of the three that i'd bring back personally um i would keep the back three the same um i thought williams baldwin and harry's all had a good game on monday um harry's his tackle was probably my highlight of the game. It was just a thing of beauty. Um, so I would keep that the same. Kilgore hasn't been in the best of form before he picked up his injury, so I'd keep him on the bench. Um, Grant, I, I'd be tempted by Grant, but then you look at the midfield and you kind of think, who does he come in for? Obviously, you don't bring him in for McCormick or Westbrook. Um, and so then you're looking at Martinez or Upson. Uh, Upson, I know, isn't loved by everyone, but... I think he's obviously so experienced and he will have been through probably three or four relegation battles in his career and played in a lot of six pointers like we've got on Saturday. And I don't think you take someone like that out of the side and put in a youngster like Grant for such a crucial game. So I would keep Upson in. I think it's basically a 50-50 toss up between Martinez and Grant to be the sort of fourth midfielder. Because although Pablo has been well, he's been brilliant, really. But I think Grant was also in probably the best form of his season before he picked up his injury. And I think they kind of do similar sort of jobs. They're both that kind of tidy, no-nonsense, no-fuss midfielder who gets stuck in and just give it to someone who's better than them, basically. So I think it probably is a bit of a toss-up between those two. But I think I would only start Rodman. Yeah, in terms of Ed Upson, he's a player who um, isn't the most popular. He's probably one of the least popular uh, with the fan base um, but stat from good old Dave Wilcox on Twitter uh, putting in the legwork to get some stats out about Upson involved in 84% of all points that Rovers have won this season but has only started 60% of the league games so Rovers are significantly better with him than without him statistically um, you could obviously say maybe it's not as black and white as that but he's you know, he obviously has some kind of positive influence. Maybe it's not so obvious what he does. You know, he's not chipping in with goals and assists and he has made a couple of wayward passes that put us in danger. But I think what he does do well, and this is something I've noticed in recent games, is that he wins a lot of second balls. Um, he just adds a bit of substance to midfield. Um, we're not so easily bypassed with him there. Um, and I think maybe his communication helps the others there as well. Maybe that's something we don't really see so much as you can kind of see it in other players and the way they improve when he's kind of alongside them. Um, he's not a player I really look to keep beyond this season, but I think he can certainly play a part. 
um, earn his wages and, 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 you know, go out on a higher hope at Rovers um, if, if he can continue in this kind of steady role that he's been in. Uh, whereas Josh Grant, yeah, he, he's been pretty good since since that Accrington loss, um, but he is a player who maybe just needs an experienced head alongside him, such as Upson. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't change that. I, I would keep I would keep Ed in, despite probably him being the one people would look to to be a, 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 an opportunity for Grant to step in. One thing with Upson is he's he's very good at the dark arts, and he's not above just taking one for the team and just cleaning someone out, which sometimes you just you just got to do. Um, we're going to finish up with a couple of fan questions uh, from Twitter. So thank you, everyone, for kind of sending them in. Um, I'm going to come to you, Nino, because I think you'll give the best uh, best answer to this one. Clive would like to hear Harsh. an in-depth description of the Kean Harry's tackle. Oh, yeah. oh well, oh, it was just my moment of the game. Like the noise it made when you were there live because I was doing a commentary on Monday so the uh, noise so anyone said you like Gary Neville <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the noise that it made was just unreal and it was celebrated by everyone around us like it was a goal if there had been fans in the stadium I think it would have been celebrated equally as much as McCormick's second goal it was just absolutely sensational it was the kind of challenge that probably every centre-back dreams of got the ball but just absolutely clattered the man and he sent who was it I can't remember was it Richards, I think? It was Taylor was, Richards, yeah. He was having Taylor a stormer of a game, wasn't he? Yeah, Richards was their danger man. The ball was going through to him. I think Richards was about to turn and look to play a pass in and Harry's just came through and absolutely crunched him. And I almost felt like standing up and beating my chest. It made me feel quite primal. And uh, <laughs> it was just, I, I got so much time for it, honestly. I've watched the video. It's, it's definitely my kind of attack. I've watched the video on Twitter like, 20 times and I keep looking at that photo where it's just Richards in the middle in like 12 feet off the air or whatever it is it's just absolutely ridiculous um Joe Francis wants to know if you could go for a pint with somebody that has managed Rovers in the past not allowed to say DC is that's boring who would you choose we'll go to you Harley Mm, I mean Joey would probably be up there, to be fair. But you say in the past, right? So am I even allowed to say Joey Barton? I don't know. I'll skip past Joey because it's a bit of a boring answer. I'll I'll probably say, I mean, Ian Holloway would be quite a good laugh for a pint, wouldn't he? Let's not beat around the bush. Regardless of what you think about his management skills at the moment, he's quite a funny chap. What about Buckle? (laughs) (laughs) Great. Come on, the story. You've just lowered the my expectations. <laughs> the, the stories that Paul would have would be sensational. From those 12 games of magic. Yeah. Okay, uh, Lewis has asked, who is the most improved player under Barton, Max? Um, probably McCormick, uh, I would say. Um, whether that's the fact that he's quite a similar style of player to Barton and he's added just a bit of um, edge to his game. Um, he's certainly the player who stepped up the most. Um, probably a close second would be Westbrook, but I think, as Harley said earlier, that's probably just him being played in his correct position rather than deep um, playing one twos with fullbacks. He's actually up higher at the pitch, and his, his first touch is playing someone through on goal rather than you know just messing around at the back. So, yeah, I would probably say McCormick. Um, pretty boring answer, I'm, I'm afraid, but um, it's, he's been standout ever since Barton's come in. So, um, just a logical conclusion to draw, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. 
Um, that's about all we've got time for tonight. Uh, thank you for listening, Gasheads, and remember to uh, subscribe to Gascast wherever you get your podcasts and have a think about sharing with someone who would enjoy hearing our terrible takes on the gas. Don't think about it. Do share it. <laughs> Just do it. Do it. <laughs> we have six cup finals now to earn our place in this division for next season. It's been a bonker season and times are tough for everyone. So keep your chin up and up the gas. 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 <laughs>